Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. We are living through uncertain times. And because of that, it's so important that leaders are really doing experience management right. Well, what does that mean? What is XM, experience management? I'm bringing you a true expert on this topic, Bruce Temkin, who is a visionary and is often referred to as the godfather of customer experience. He leads the Qualtrics XM Institute, which provides thought leadership, training, and a global community of professionals who are empowered and inspired to radically improve human experiences. We talk a lot about his six laws of experience management, which are not only thought-provoking, but make a lot of sense that you can put into action at your workplace. He also emphasizes the importance of leaders boosting inertia and workforce trends. Take notes, there is so much good information here. And if you like this episode, please share it with others. Subscribe to Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channels and join my newsletter at doingcxright.com so that you know of new launches and free resources. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Bruce Temkin. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Hello, Stacey. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I've been following your work for many, many years. And well, I certainly know who you are, but let the audience know a bit about you. Where where do you work? What do you do? So um, I lead the Qualtrics XM Institute. So think of us as like a, a think tank of experience management experts that are dedicated to helping other experience management experts and professionals around the world do their jobs. So our mission, Mm -hmm. here's our mission. I love this mission. Our mission is to empower and inspire a global community of XM professionals who help their organizations radically improve improve human experience. So we just want to help companies, help their customers, help their employees, help their partners. And that's what I do. Well, we share that in common. Tell me, your why. Why are you so passionate? And you use the word dedicated, which I love that. Why? So um, my why is really built around making the world a better place for human beings. I'm passionate about really trying to understand how human beings interact and respond to the systems around them. So you're getting a little sense of, I'm an engineer. My background. Most people don't know that. They think if you're in an experience management field, you have to come from some soft type of undergraduate. No, I'm, I'm a hardcore engineer. Uh, and I believe that if we better understand human beings and human beings as a, 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 um, as a system that interacts with the other elements around them, whether it's an organization, whether it's a society, whether it's a government, whether it's another coworker, whether it's a leader, that understanding human beings and the dynamics that they have with the environment around them can provide powerful insights on how people and organizations make decisions. Uh, and I think that we're, we don't do it well as uh, humanity in general. So I want to improve how people focus on human beings. 
Mm. Well, I was going to ask you a fun fact people might not know about you, and you just said engineer. Is there another one? Yeah, so I, I mean, maybe along that same line, not only am I an engineer, but a good fun fact about me that probably people don't know is I started my career designing a missile, submarine missile subsystem. I worked on ballistic nuclear missiles, then I worked on like Tomahawk missiles that you might have heard of. But uh, I started my career actually doing that. And I think mm. anyone who would try and guess what I did probably wouldn't have put that top on their list. No, but where do missiles and humans come together? What's the link? <laughs> oh my God, that, that is a horrible question because the real answer about where missiles and human beings come together isn't a pretty picture. But uh, <laughs> so I, I sometimes say I started my career figuring out how to harm lots of people and I'm ending my mm -hmm. career figuring out how to help them. That is so well said. Love that. Well, let's talk about, not missiles today, let's talk about right. experience management. You talk about that. What does that mean to you, XM? Ah. XM, experience management, it's the discipline of being able to design and improve experiences that you deliver to all sorts of human beings, whether they're customers, employees, partners, or non-customers, and it has to do with your brand. So it's all about how do you actually make decisions that deliver the experiences that provide the results that the organization is looking for. Um, and I say that the part about results because, you know, I've, I've been in the field for a long time. And I think sometimes people who are new to the field or have been in the field start to think that the whole idea about experience management is just to make experiences better for people. And I believe that that's part of it, but it's in service of organizations achieving their goals, right? Because, you know, any organization can make life better for you know, their customers, right? They can spend a whole ton of money on their customers. They can sell all their products really cheap or for free. And they can keep doing that. But if they go out of business, they stop being able to help human beings. Uh, so it's how do we actually design and improve the experiences to achieve, to ultimately achieve an organization's goals? So you've talked about rules or laws, six laws of experience management. Can you share share your favorite one? Oh my goodness. Um, I, I love them all equally. That's like having me choose my own child. Um, but why don't I go over them? I'll say them quickly, then I'll tell so everyone knows. Their people are emotional, not rational. Uh, journeys add meaning to meanings to moments. Actions transform insights into value. Commitment aligns behaviors. Leaders boost or break inertia. XM is a habit, not an act. Your listeners don't know anything about them, but hopefully that language gets them to say, oh my God, I need to know more about the laws. So the one that I will pick is, let's go with um, leaders boost or break inertia. Why not? Human being, ultimately, if you're going to succeed at experience management, and think of experience management as customer experience, employee experience, but plus other things right? It's sort of the whole experience gamut. If you're going to succeed at it, you actually have to make your organization change. 
right? If I go in and say, I'm going to help an organization get better experience management, then in two years, they're doing the exact same thing they were doing uh, when I started, then they haven't made any improvements, right? And the experiences likely aren't going to improve, aren't going to change. So the whole idea about experience management is we have to drive organizations to make change. And people, human beings, remember I talked about how much I like to think about human beings. I focus on human beings as an entity. Human beings don't like to change, period, full stop. Human beings don't want to change. If you go into an organization, you say, does this organization need change? They go, yes. You ask them who needs to change, that person over there, not me. Everyone thinks that they don't need to change. And that's because we have comfort in the things that we do. Uh, and so leaders actually have to understand that their organizations have inherent inertia. So if they don't do anything, then they're actually boosting that inertia. Remember I said mm -hmm. leaders boost or break inertia? Well, by definition, if they don't do anything, the status quo is they're boosting inertia because it's just there. So they have to actually get out of their way and think about how are they going to unlock the organization from what it's doing today so that they can adopt more experience management friendly and experience management centric types of behaviors. So that's it. Leaders boost or break inertia. It's on all of us as leaders, every leader out there to help their organizations get better. This seems so intuitive, yet <laughs> it's a topic. Why? Why do you think it's, it's not done enough and not the focus enough? Well, I, I think, and, and I love that you said it sounds intuitive. I don't think there's much about experience management that's rocket science. I think you have to have, it requires a deeper understanding of human beings, but it also is probably more about good old-fashioned common sense. And I think what happens is that if you look at what's inside of most organizations, I, I, I deal with the, mostly the global, the largest, most complex organizations on earth, right? That's been my focus for decades, right? Working with just the biggest brands, the biggest global companies. You know, they're complex, they're complicated. And the people in, who work in them get overwhelmed with messages and things going on all the time, right? So it gets very hard to step back and think clearly and to focus clearly on the outcomes that you're trying to do. So I think that even though it, it seems like that is a pretty straightforward law, leaders boost or break inertia, if they don't think about, people don't get the opportunity to think about in the context of what they're doing, it gets lost. Right. Uh, and so I think that's one thing. It's really busy out there. The other is it requires a leader to truly decide that experience management is a place that they want to actually apply their personal and professional capital. Right. Cause I need to, I need to decide that improving experience is good for my organization and it's good for me professionally. And therefore, I will proactively break the inertia. Uh, so I think there's a lot of things going on. I don't, I don't think that when, when we talk about, and actually all six of the laws, I'll bet you if I went into, no, not I bet you, I've done this lots of times. I go into a room of executives and I'll introduce the six laws and then maybe we'll do like an exercise so they can internalize it, think about it, 
And no one goes, oh my goodness, I would never thought of that. They usually go, oh wow, I should have known that. That makes a ton of sense. And for me, that's what I'm trying to do, right? I'm trying to get people to think differently and more clearly about experience management. And if uh, what I've learned is if you can teach someone something that afterwards they go, oh my goodness, that makes total sense, they're more likely to internalize it, right? If I'm trying to teach them something that when I'm done, you know, if I'm trying to speak to you in a whole nother language and I teach you a few words and we have a discussion about that and I leave, you'll totally forget everything we talked about. But if I did something and you go, oh, that makes so much sense. I I think I could have said that. Then I've won, right? Because now I've actually helped you have a vocabulary around the thing that I want you to learn, which is experience management, that then you can actually operationalize in your day-to-day routines. So operationalize action. This is all about doing, right? What do you recommend that people listening can operationalize? What are some of the things that you would say to the companies and leaders you're meeting? What can they go do? There's like a zillion things, right? Um, And it depends on, remember, what your organization goals are and where you are in your maturity level. But I would say that uh, one of the things that almost every organization can do right away, because they're probably not doing it well, is look at human journeys. And that gets back to even, like everything will get back to one of the laws, I'm sure when we talk about it, because they are the laws of experience management. But uh, journeys add meetings, meaning to moments. I don't think organizations focus enough at all on journeys. And that's, that's customer journeys, and that's employee journeys, and that's prospect journeys, and that's partner journeys, and that's patient journeys, and that's fans journeys, because we, we tend to just look at discrete interactions instead of looking at what is that person trying to do and what are all of the steps that they go in trying to do that. Some of the steps include interacting with us as an organization, some don't. But I think that there's a lot of insight that can be uncovered, more insight than organizations do in understanding that. And then, oh, by the way, if you truly believe in journeys, then I think organizations can actually reorganize more around journeys. I think Organizations have executives in charge of their key customer journeys, executives in in charge of their key employee journeys, and really focus on those because that's the outcome. The journeys represent the outcomes of what people are trying to do. And we should always manage our experiences towards the outcomes. Wow, that was really good. (laughs) I'm digesting all those facts because yes, journeys... People don't do them enough. And what an opportunity. My favorite part of journey mapping is breaking silos. Yes, we get to walk in the shoes of whoever's experience we're improving. At the same time, it gives such an appreciation to this domino effect of how we all need to play together. So... I love that you brought up the journey and how important that is. So it's interesting. You, um, um, I'll talk about silos for a bit. So um, this is a little funny story. I, when I was at Forrester Research, I was, I was there when we created the first customer experience forum that we had. We, we created it um, years ago. 
And I was the keynote speaker and I led the keynote panel and my keynote speech was all about breaking silos. So I had this, I, I was sort of like a, a preacher. So I, like <laughs> about five or six times during the, the speech, I went, break down the silos, break down. And I got the audience doing it. It was like one of those, it was like my repeated thing. And the reason I bring up, the reason I think it's that, that particular part of it isn't funny. What's funny about it is it happened to be the first time my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, and actually my mother was, were in the speech, were in the, the session where I was giving a keynote speech. First time they seen me do a keynote speech. And that was a long time ago. And to this day, my, my father-in-law, about, you know, probably about six or seven times a year goes, break down those silos, break down those silos. <laughs> like it's sort of the memorable speech. And yeah. so it's like a breakdown. But, but I come back to, I have to say, um, something about silos, which is that it's a good metaphor, right? And it is something we need to do. But remember, I come back to, I work with very large organizations and very large organizations have to break down their organizations into component pieces. And those component organizations have to have some focus on um, becoming really good and effective at the things they do. So there are always structural silos across an organization. So you, you can't actually remove the silos because, you know, if we did that, if we removed all the silos, it would be chaos. So what we just have to do is create a common perspective and a common alignment across them, right? It's almost like we're lowering the barriers that the silos create as opposed to eliminating them because you know, we don't want we don't want that for which we ask. We don't want chaos. It's mm, an amazing perspective. I've not heard it stated that way because most of the time, everyone's like, "We need to break the silos." But I like your that. That's like going against gravity. That's like fighting city hall. But instead. How do we align and partner and build the relationships because the structure is the structure? Yeah. I, and so here's a, here's a way to think about it. Here's the way I think about it. You don't have to think about it. You can if you want. <laughs> um, that if, if I'm sitting in an organization, right, then I have a set of goals and alignment about what I want to do in that organization, right? And let's say if it's, if it's 100% of my focus, you have a very, very tall silo, right? But then I also may have a perspective being in that organization that I want to help the broader organization do something or achieve something. The more balanced that those two things are, the better off you are, right? And so we, and, and we also don't want me sitting in an organization saying, I don't care about my organizational goals. I care about what the greater organization does, right? Because then I'm not going to focus on what my department. So it's always, it's a balance. And I, and I really think that ultimately changing an organization is not often about just radical change. That happens sometimes. It's oftentimes about how do you shift the balance between 60, 40 in one direction to 60, 40 in the other direction, right? And how do you do that to sustain it? And I think that's, there, there are lots of, we could have a whole discussion about change management because I think 
the field of experience management, a lot of our professionals try brute force a little bit too much. Uh, and I think that you can get sustainable change by getting that 60-40 shift in lots of different places as opposed to having 100% change in places where you're never actually going to achieve that type of a goal. Mm. Well, all of this requires really great leadership. And you've spoken about three leadership ingredients. Tell me about that. Uh, So I think you talked about my three ingredients for leading through uncertainty. Yes. Um, Yeah, which, which, oh, by the way, I'm glad you it was I'm glad you asked it that way because it because while I focused on that because we are clearly in times of uncertainty, right? You know, COVID, monkeypox, uh, wars and supply chains and inflation and right, uh, and floods and you know, it's the world's crazy. And so what I did was looked at and the advice I'd given over the years, because I've, I've actually helped organizations through, unfortunately, several phases of economic turns over the years, um, and identified these three um, leadership ingredients for ingredients for leading through uncertainty. Now, back to them a sec, but I firmly believe that they're actually good leadership for all time because mm-hmm. anyone who thinks that we're going to leave this time of uncertainty. <laughs> and land in a better time of full certainty is probably mistaken. So anyway, back to it. My three ingredients are decisive leadership, heightened empathy, and personal resilience. I'll go over it quickly and you ask questions if you want, because I think it's important for people to know it. Decisive leadership, um, I think when you're faced with uncertain times, especially when they're, they're really, really putting your business at risk, um, especially during an economic downturn, you have to... Be aggressively defensive in the short term, which means you have to act quickly, but have an eye towards being increasingly offensive in the long term. Meaning you have to keep an eye on your values, your long-term objectives, but you have to actually get in line with the realities of the economic model you're facing, which means you gotta, if you're gonna prune, prune quickly. But if you're gonna prune, like if you have to cut back. Like, let, let, let's say your finance department says you have to cut back 10%. I don't believe in cutting 10% across the board. As a matter of fact, I go through a business and say, we're going to cut 100% here. And oh, by the way, we're going to double our investment over here. So anyone who does, who cuts across the board is telling me that they don't understand how their business can focus in the future and be successful because they're just letting go any decision about what's really important, what's not important. That's decisive leadership. Heightened empathy, in times of change, we need to understand even more about what's going on with people, our customers, our employees. So we have to shift from our focus, which has historically been on measuring trends and much more on how do we pick up on signals. So how do we understand, how do we better understand what is a sign of change? How do we make faster decisions around that? And so we have to go from measuring to real-time insights and real-time decision-making. So that's heightened empathy. And then personal resilience. During times of change, it's tough on us. It's tough on everyone around us. It's tough on our customers. It's tough on our employees. It's tough on our family. It's tough on our friends. But it's tough on us. 
And if we want to be change agents in the world, we have to take care of ourselves first. The metaphor I love here is every time you go on a plane, what does the flight attendant tell you if the oxygen mask falls down? They say, put the mask on yourself first before you actually help other people. And that's because if you want to be a help to other people, you have to make sure that you are in a good position to help first. So those are the three things, decisive leadership, heightened empathy, and personal resilience. Mm. And I also like this trend that's happening in the workplace around mental health. Going back to, you can't help anyone else unless you're good yourself. It's interesting. So I I don't know if the, I think that the trend around, one of the trends around mental health is that we as a society are more comfortable recognizing it and individuals are more comfortable articulating it. Uh, I think the, I, I don't know the data if we have, if there's more mental health issues than there were in the past, but I think our ability to recognize it and and help people and not have a stigma around it is is really powerful. Um, and I, and I do know I do notice, and this is not research based, right? This is and I always being a researcher, right? Active researcher, I always like to distinguish my opinion from my researched a point of view. So this is more like an opinion based on on sort of the world that I see. That I think that we are that personal empathy in many places is on the rise because of just the stories and the way that we talk about mental illness, right? You know, I think people are more aware of the impact that they have on other people in in different situations. Uh, I I think we we are more willing to reach out help at least maybe that's the bubble I'm in, but that's what I hope is happening in most of society. And, and organizations are absolutely stepping up and saying, we need to have more healthy employees, both physical health has been on the journey for them for a while. Now mental health is also there. And to add on to that from one who's inside a a corporate environment uh, all my life, including now, which is as a leader, I have the job of creating psychological safety so that when there is mental illness, when there is that challenge that people are facing, they're comfortable to speak up. Yes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You have to... um, So... Obviously, at Qualtrics, we believe in having a very strong employee experience program, which which is really about well, a cornerstone of that is providing lots of easy outlets for employees to share how they're feeling and processes that actually take that information and act on them. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I I think that. That that can help as long as your culture is supportive of that type of behavior, yeah. right? And and yeah. one of the things I, I think of is as a leader, it is not good enough for us even to create an environment where our employees feel comfortable enough to share that type of information. That to me is table stakes. 
We mm-hmm. as leaders need to pro- be proactive and look for situations even where our employees may not be comfortable sharing it in that environment anyway. Um, I think, yeah. you know, I, I always think that we as leaders are responsible, not just for the people who work for us, but for the people who work around us and the people who work near us and just yeah. about everyone we touch or see, I think we have to take on, that's a part of a leader, right? We take on a broader set of responsibility for all of the people in an organization, not even just the people who report directly into us. Mm, great advice to leaders listening to this right now. As we come to the very end, I'd like to ask you if I had many CEOs and leaders and entrepreneurs, CEOs in my room right now, what's the one takeaway you want them to remember? Experience matters. Exclamation point. Which, oh, by the way, was the name of the blog that I created twenty over 20 years ago. It was the tagline on Tenka Group. We had it. I still believe it today. It's not just a, a phrase, but organizations are... If you step back and you dissect one organization, it, it is nothing more than an experience factory. Organizations create experiences that influences employees who ultimately create experiences that are consumed yeah. by customers. There is nothing else that happens in an organization except creating experiences. That's all they do. Step back. That is all an organization does. It is every organization on earth is nothing more than an experience factory. So if we recognize that, then we should also recognize that experience matters. And therefore, we should pay way more attention to experience management so that we can be better at the factories we're creating. You are speaking my language for sure. And my final question, if you could go back in time to your 20-year-old self, let's say 20-ish, what would you tell younger Bruce then that you didn't know then that you know now? Okay, um, I'll give you two things. One is buy more property. I purchased some property, uh, uh, multifamily homes when I was younger, the young engineer. Um, if I was go back, I'd buy every piece that I could <laughs> borrow to get access. But I don't, I don't recommend that for people today. That's to be going back. I think it's mm-hmm. scary too. That's one piece of advice. The second piece of advice I would be is to, um, um, learn to play the guitar. And, and mm. that's because it, to me, it's like that every few years I decide, Oh, I'd like to learn the guitar. And I go, well, if I had started years ago, I'd be playing the guitar now. And I go through that <laughs> all the time. And I think that's a metaphor for life, right? It's, yeah. So it, it wouldn't just be, it's, to me, it's about the guitar, but it's really about what are the other skills and things that you want to build. Just start doing them. Because in a few yeah. years, your older self will be thankful of your younger self for making that decision. Fabulous. And it's never too late. Never. Well, I am so grateful to have you today and I'm going to put in the show notes your website and your LinkedIn, your social media, you're everywhere and you're fabulous. And so thank you so much. And anything else you want the audience to know uh, in finding you? 
well, Stacy, the only thing I do that I, I do, I do have to do a little pitch for um, XM Institute. So okay. uh, we, we actually have the largest library of useful content around experience management in the world, like more than 700 content assets. And it's all available for free. It's not even like a pitch. My thing is if there's an, a customer experience leader, an employee experience leader, anyone in experience management who hasn't helped themselves to learn at xminstitute.com, why haven't you been there? We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not going to take your, your email address and do try and call you and sell you. Like literally, we just want to help. So I urge everyone to visit us at xminstitute.com. Perfect. That will be a, a clickable link for people to go to. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stacey. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.